Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Jeremy Duvall. And I'm Rough Enough. So it's been a while since we've been on the show together, Jeremy. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the Birthday Boys cast. You know, people have asked, you know, hey, can we record with you? No, not today. Today is all about the guys born on. November 27th, which was me and Jeremy. Happy birthday, Jeremy. Happy birthday, Rob. So my day started great. I think I mentioned to you offline that uh, I actually went to work only to discover that after my 35-minute commute that I didn't bring my laptop, so I had to turn around, go back to the house, get the laptop, and then back again. So I made my commute there and back twice today, so that was pretty exciting. But other than that, it's been a pretty great day. How about you? My day has been awesome. I had the day off work. I slept in. I've been modeling all day. I had a chicken sandwich and a cookie. Uh, I'm going to Benihana tonight for my birthday. Uh, Rashad and I were on After Dark. Uh, so it's been like the most amazing. Uh, if you could ask me, like, what do you want to do on your birthday? And it to me is to like to sleep in and watch Baby Yoda and put together models. And I have done that today. So. And I should mention, I went to work, but I was only there for three hours because I'm sitting at my computer doing my work, and our senior director walks up and goes, when you're done with that email, why don't you go home? It was like 11.15 or something like that. I had only been there since like 8.15. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a great day, and I'm uh, super excited. We're going to go out to dinner ourselves tonight, so I'm very excited about... Uh, cool. Yeah, and then tomorrow, obviously, we got Thanksgiving, and that's really the reason why we're here is to chat about Thanksgiving and what we're thankful for. But before we get there, let's touch a little bit on the hobby. We haven't chatted in a little while, and I think people may be interested. What have you been painting? So I've been continuing on the uh, epic Lord of the Rings-esque quest of finishing the Basileans. Um, I'm making good progress. Uh, I'm As I had told before, I'm using uh, Stormcast for my palace ogres. And I, my theme on my army is sort of an all-female army, so I've been putting together from different Stormcast kits all the female sculpts. And I got Rob one of the – it was uh, – she's called the Night Quester Larissa Shadowstalker. It's a female Stormcast that was a special – like you had to go buy it in a GW store miniature. But she's really cool. She's got like this bad uh, – she's really cool. She's got like a, a halberd. Um, fits my theme. Uh, it was definitely like an expensive eBay purchase, but Rob, I sort of hit that threshold with my Basilean army where you, you reach with a sort of boutique miniature army where it no longer matters how much it costs. It costs what it's costs. If that's what you need, that's what you pay. You've already invested so much money in it to have exactly what you want that like pulling punches on the home stretch doesn't make any sense. So I picked up that. I picked up the a human so uh, a two pack of two female wizards D and D models. Like um, I forget what they're called. Help me. They're like the the Naza. There's something they have uh, some name, but it's like a, a line of D and D miniatures that are kind of akin to bones. Oh, is it the ones from uh, WizKids? It's like pre primed. Yeah, those are great. My daughter loves them because I, can, I, don't, I don't have to put I don't have to put the model together. I don't even have to prime it. I just hand it to her and she goes to town. So I went ahead and primed it, reprimed it. I cleaned it. I reprimed it. I haven't painted them yet because I have I've heard some people, you know, say that it doesn't t they don't take paint super great. But I had never painted them yet. But I picked up for like a two pack of two female wizards. It was like seven dollars ship. Yeah. So even if they don't even work out, three bucks for a miniature no, that looks no. cool. Does, does your store carry that line? Because I know the War Room has that line, and it's it's great. You can like, oh, I need a, a griffin, or I need a barrel. You can just go in there, and you can usually find what you're looking for. They have a, it's There's a lot of miles available in that line. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty excited with that. So I picked up that. I picked up the last little bits of that I needed for my palace guard. I finished a Palace Guard test model that I'm pretty happy with. I'm on the home stretch for my second regiment of Cav. I'm putting together, you know, like I had said, I'm using the Shield Wolf. They did a fe female Paladin line, um, Sisters of Talarium, which I'm using for my infantry. 
So I've been putting those together. I sort of decided that I should stop and assemble everything that I need for my master's army and get it primed. And then that way I, instead of like painting, assembling, painting, assembling, I can actually put away all my assembling stuff and then just simply focus on painting. Mm -hmm. But I've been making a lot of progress. I got all of my, my three regiments of infantry that are in my list. I uh, did the multi-base for those, got those primed. So those are ready for paint. Um, so I've been making a lot of uh, uh, good progress. I think I calculated it, and it's I need to I need to finish fifty models for masters. They're not from scratch. A bunch of them are, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy percent done. And there's something like eighty six odd days until masters. So I'm trying to you know summon my inner my inner uh, pro- product manager or summon the inner Rob Fanuff in me to get a plan for how to get this all done. In time? Well, you know, if you were listening to the independent characters, he'd say a Kaizen board is what you need. Yeah, I know he's a um, uh, product manager, too, and he's always talking about that board. But And that's a great show. You know, we got to get um, – I chat with Justin from that show a lot. He used to work with, he used to work with um, Jesse Burke, who has the Trident Realms uh, Twilight Deep – or the, the Deepkin Army. And we we talked a lot about uh, Kings of War, so we should try to get them on the show. That would be cool to. Uh... Yeah, Justin seems like an amazing painter. I know he's teaching a lot of classes now, and so uh, yeah, he be he would be an interesting voice to have. Um, it's always interesting to get people outside the Kings of War community looking in because you get their feedback on what they're seeing. Because you know sometimes when you're inside, you're in a vacuum, and you just you just keep hearing the same stuff you've been hearing for all along. It's sometimes it's nice to get new opinions. Especially when a new edition comes out and the the microscope is on the game again, so it's interesting to hear like what maybe people on the the outside kind of are thinking, uh, or who are taking a look at it again for a second time. Or what about you, hobby wise? What have you been up to, Rob? So on my end, we are still plugging along on our uh, Kings of War Slow Grow League. We've got a couple more weeknights, and on December 14th, we kind of cap the whole thing with a little narrative event that I'm really excited about. Um, I'm still working on my elves. Uh, I've been playing the elves on Wednesday nights and I will say they, the way I built them was kind of just like built one of everything. And, um, it's interesting. You know, I think palace guard are what everybody has said. They're great. Um, but I really have been liking the glade stalkers. I think, um, I mean, the, the risk is if you get them into combat, they're going to get eaten up with the defense three. But uh, they have been pretty interesting in that you've got elite on both melee and shooting, and you hit on fours in both. So um, they and I've been running them in troops. So that has been pretty fun. Still painting those models. Uh, I was originally going to start with all contrast paints. I've got the contrast paints for the armor as a yellow. I don't know which which one it is, but but what I haven't found is the right contrast paint for the for the secondary color and I'm probably going to dump the idea of contrast paint for the secondary color because I really was looking towards a red or a blue and I just I haven't found one I liked so I'll probably go back to traditional paints for that uh, in other news out of the blue the, the the store that I play at the war room here in Memphis started a blood bowl league and we've got like 25 players now I've never played blood bowl in my life but uh they twisted my arm and said you need to play or I, I did what any hobbyist would do they went up went, went to my man cave opened up a tub where I think there's some blood bowl models or something I could use for Blood Bowl models, and I found a couple teams, and I, I picked the one that I had that looked the easiest to build, and also the one where I don't think anybody else was playing. So I'm playing Ogres, and I chose to build a... Uh, it's a team from Impact Miniatures, which is... It's basically a gnome team, which is is that role on the team actually is, is filling in for Snotlings, but the Ogres themselves are the gnomes, but they're in these little mech suits. And so uh, I built them up. It was really cool. I, I magnetized all their arms, and I've got them all built and all based. And um, I've already played two games. I have lost the first game, and I drew the second game. The second game was amazing. I literally tied it. Essentially, the, w- the way I tied the second game was I basically took out his whole team. I got what's called a pitch clear. I was playing Dark Elves, and I took out all those players. <laughs> and so then I just picked the ball up and walked into the end zone for the first score. And the second touchdown, I actually scored on the last play of the game. So super fun. That game is crazy. It is not for the faint of heart because if you if you try to play it competitively, it will not work. It is way too random for that. But I, I think I really like the narrative aspect of it. So I've been playing ogres in that, uh, and I've been and I'm working on I'm working on those models as well. So yeah, Blood Bowl is Blood Bowl is really fun. That's one of those like. like the specialty game before there really was GW specialty games. You know what I mean? That sort of survived 
through through the years. And that's definitely like a classic. We still play Blood Bowl sometimes. And they had a, a cool computer game simulation of it, mm-hmm. too. If, if you're interested in checking out Blood Bowl, you can play the game. And often those GW games on Steam, get them on a sale. You can get them like crazy cheap. Big shout out to Mike Lewis, who's our local uh, Blood Bowl guy. He's a Blood Bowl fanatic. He has been very cool. He, he actually, we played my, I played my first game of Blood Bowl with him, kind of a learning game. Uh, and then he sat in my first couple games as I'm learning. And um, it's, I, it's, it's fun, right? I mean, it's just like, it was like when I was playing that second game, we're talking trash and like, you know, we're standing up, we're throwing dice, we're having fun. Um, so it, from that end, I really enjoyed it. And uh, it's a nice distraction from the more competitive thing of, 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 of uh, Kings of War. I have been playing my Ogres on the weekends. So far, so good. But I haven't played the armies that I think would be the hard counters to it yet. Like, I haven't played... It's a pretty, you know... Ogres in general, there's... I have a lot... I have four Siegebreaker hordes. Two hordes of boomers. And some characters. Two units, two regiments of uh, Berserker Braves. And two troops of scouts. And so... Um, it's been a fun army to play. I'm sort of mixing in different things, trying out different things. Like uh, I recently added some more war. I added two warlocks to try to get some long range punch to get some of those uh, characters that are back there hexing me and all that bullcrap. Cast a weakness on me. Um, so, but I, it's been fun. Third edition. I, I'm sure you're the same way. It's been a lot of fun, and it's really, uh, really uh, rejuvenated uh, my enthusiasm for you know playing the game. Yeah, I like it. Um, I think I pro- I've gotten now maybe seven or eight games in of third edition, maybe ten, something like that. Um, four or five on ultimate, uh, or four or five on Universal Battle, and then uh, in person, uh, we had our first one day tournament uh, a couple weeks ago in third edition, which I played Undead as the Ringer Army, which was fun. Mentioned that a little bit in the Undead Army snapshot review, which thanks for everyone who both liked it and then had some constructive feedback on what to change. You know, we always uh, are open to any sort of feedback, whether you guys like our episodes or want to see us cover something different. So don't ever feel like you can't uh, comment on what we do if it's not 100 percent positive. We're always open for new ideas. So we always appreciate that. Um, what I think Britton and I were talking about this, Robin, what we like most about third is that it doesn't feel horribly different from second, which in my opinion, I'm happy with because I loved second edition. So really the main thing is just what are the armies going to be like? That's the biggest thing is what are the new toys? What, uh, you know, what are going to be the broken builds? And to think Rob, that we're not going to see broken builds, we're going to see them. But also to think that broken builds is a version three problem that just magically poofed into existence. You can't think that we've had a troubled armies our stuff that was probably too good all through version two. And what did they do? Right. They try to clash of Kings packet or they, you know, uh, introduce new errata or new anything. So I'm a, I imagine we're going to see some really filthy, nasty lists come out in the next few months, but I'm not overly worried in that, you know, Kings of war is a pretty response. They're pretty responsive as, as far as game balance. So, but I think, you know, you're hearing a little bit about, I think these lists or whatever that might be broken, like all of a sudden that's a new thing. There's always in wargaming going to be those type of things. So it's just, well, how do we adapt? How do you, combat and what strategies evolve um but so far my group is the same as with you rob is people are loving it there's a lot of people who hadn't played kings of war locally who are now coming back there's like a group in reno nevada uh they have eight or nine players playing on their meetup nights and we're going to be getting a group to go down that way to play with them um so we're seeing a lot of positive growth here people uh, sort of the, what you hear is people think the new rule book looks great. You know, the people who are maybe on the fence. I'm seeing a lot more Kings of War content pop up on suggested videos on YouTube. Different people I've never even seen before making Kings of War content. So I think it's a good a good time for the game. And I'm um, I'm excited to see sort of from the list building and uh, side what sort of develops over the next few months. You have a new edition. It would be very quixotic to think that there's not going to be stuff that they just missed right that's just in human nature they're not they're not all knowing that you know so there's going to be things that digs maybe slip through the cracks and we'll figure that out and they'll get it fixed so um 
you know, I'm I'm just very optimistic about the future for Kings Wars continuing to grow. And uh, should have mentioned huge thanks to Jeff Swan. He swung he, he uh, Jeff Swan uh, swung through Memphis last weekend. We got a great day of playing uh, Kings of War with our community here in town, and um, so that was a lot of fun as well. Well, that's cool. You know, I know Rob, uh, Jeff, you and I did uh, Airbnb for Adepticon last year. And I think that's definitely on our uh, list for this upcoming year, too, is to try to do another. So pumped for that. I am so excited. And uh, Steve Hilger is going to be coming from the U.K. Um, I know we'll be there. I know Mark will be there. Um, so it's going to be a Adepticon is really, really, really great time. And they're starting to release some of the um, schedule. So I know I'll definitely be playing in the team tournament. I'm trying to get Jesse Cornwell to teach me Dead Zone. And I may get uh, slightly inebriated and play in the Dead Zone tournament. Hmm. Um, yeah, you could also ask our very good friend Tyler Schultz to teach you. He is extraordinarily good at dead zone yes that's a good point so i'm gonna reach out i've already reached out to jesse i'm gonna reach out to tyler um i just would like to have another sort of fun game to play and then also i'm excited to with adepticon to just i didn't get to last year rob and this was i glad i kind of took this advice was um your first adepticon don't try to sign up for too much because there's just so much to see and do Mm -hmm. so one thing i didn't get a chance to do last year is i didn't do any hobby seminars so I really want to try to do some hobby seminars this year. So I'm looking forward to, I think, early in December, all of the signups open. So I'll be signing up for that. Cool. Well, it is, uh, you know, as you guys have seen on our Facebook, Rob put up a post recently asking uh, people to submit uh, ideas uh, with this Thanksgiving holiday, what you're thankful for in your life. So we've gotten some submissions, which we'll play on this episode. And also, Rob and I just wanted to get together, talk a little bit about what we're thankful for, both in our gaming life and in our personal lives. So, uh, Rob, why don't you lead us off and talk to us a little bit about uh, what you are thankful for on this day of your birth? Absolutely. Absolutely. Or as the day in which I level up. Somebody put that on one of my Facebook things. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, So I'll mention it, but you're going to hear this often. Uh, from some of our contributors. But, you know, I'm obviously thankful for this great rule set, the company supporting it, and the amazing uh, community that's built up around it. Um, But, you know, for me personally, um, I am super thankful for, we have this new store, which has become this magnet for gaming, which is great. I think we have around 20 players playing Kings of War. I would say 20 occasional players and maybe 10 players active players if you will and so it's it's been great um you know because for previous three years we were playing at the rat house and we got a couple new players but really we weren't out there spreading the gospel and now um we're out we're you know I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you're playing in public with painted models it attracts new players and um it's been working so that's been great our we're almost done with our slow grow league and i was really ex- i'm really excited about how that's turned out um we haven't got a lot of painting done you know, but I'm looking at these armies and I'm seeing a lot of armies built. I'm seeing a lot of, you know, at least primer colors. So, I mean, that's good, right? Because a lot of these guys are playing multiple systems. And so the fact that they've at least dedicated enough time to get models built and based, and in some cases primed or base coated, um, I'm excited about our next logo league, which we will start in 2020. Uh, and then I guess uh, from a counter charge standpoint, I'm super excited about, you know, we've added Steve and Alex to the team. Um, Adding more help makes everybody's job easier. But one of the things that it really helps with is expanding our voice. Very excited that the additional contributions that those guys are bringing um, will expand the voice of Countercharge to better represent the greater community. So um, uh, how about you, Jeremy? What are you thankful for? So from a hobby perspective, um, I think you're right. It's who would have thought at second edition um, that Kings of War would have grown into where it is now. And in many ways we almost take for granted how much it's grown. I was looking at the second edition rule book the other day and just comparing it to third edition and looking at all of the content and tournaments and Facebook pages. And, you know, I'm really, it's really exciting to to be part of a game that's growing. And then I've always thought of Kings of war and this community as the, um, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, 
Goldilocks and the Three Bears, it's like just the right size. You know, it's not too big. It's not too small. It's a big enough community to feel like you're part of a growing, thriving game. But yet it's not so big in that you lose kind of sight of of knowing people in the community. So I'm excited for that. Um, when I got back into Wargaming was with basically Kings of War 2nd Edition. And I'm thankful for the positive impact it's like had on my life and all the friendships that we've made and it really is great rob i know you and i have talked about this and talked about it on the show is um it's really exciting to be able to go to any city in the country and be like i know people who i can you know pick me up from the airport or i can go play games with or you know so that to me is probably the thing that i'm most thankful for and i know we've talked about it you know there's uh, always ways that Manta could be improving or growing, but I just like that they are, you know, evolving as a company, trying to learn from their mistakes and, you know, double down on, uh, their successes. So, uh, I'm just excited to see sort of this upward momentum, um, in the game. And then, um, on a personal note, Rob, you know, I'll touch on mine and maybe I'll throw it back to you. So you could kind of, uh, circle around to that. But I know for me, um, in my personal life this year has been an exciting year. You know, I got a promotion at work. You've got an abbess. I met my abbess. Yes. Um, Hillary, who has been such an amazing, um, part of my life. You know, Rob, um, uh, I just turned 39 years old and in many ways I sort of had come to this conclusion that maybe like getting married or having a family that maybe those things just weren't going to be a part of my life and that was okay. You know, I had my I had my models, I had, uh, you know, my friends and I had my community and I had a lot of other things that I had f- found a way in my life to find joy and fulfillment outside of like being in a relationship with someone. So I kind of like put that desire to the side and they say, you know, there's that cliche that love finds you when you stop looking. And I think that there's truth in that because. When you stop trying to force things and just be yourself, usually the relationships that you forge in those moments are the most authentic and genuine because if someone likes you, they like you for you, not the vanilla ice, not the vanilla ice cream version of yourself that you're presenting to the world. So I know with Hillary right off the bat, I was like, these are my dudes. Here's my podcast. Everyone gives everyone gives me a, a craft because I like abbesses. And uh, she uh, got to meet everyone at Bay of Kings and and really got to become friendly with Jeff Swan's wife and see and Todd Serpico's wife and really see the awesome aspects of the community and the hobby. And she's been really supportive of that. So, you know, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for um, my sister. Uh, She, you know, she does cosplay. She's got about 45,000 Instagram followers cami slice cosplay uh so she's always like making costumes and we used to game some together but it's cool to have another artist in the family and we're always like encouraging each other's hobby and stuff like that so um and just i'm thankful to the after dark crew to all of you i'm not going to name anyone because i don't want to leave anyone out but anyone who's ever come on after dark and made me laugh so hysterically i start crying which happens pretty regularly on after dark i love all you guys um you know so it's like rob often we take a moment in thanksgiving to be like well we should be you know we should take a second and talk about what we're thankful for but i can't be more um true in what i say that right now there are so many things in my life that i'm thankful for um and I, I know you as a family man, you must be feeling some of the same same thing, like watching your amazing daughter grow up and everything that you experience. Uh, do you want to touch on maybe some of the stuff you're thankful for outside of gaming? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, it's been a weird year for me, right? So, I mean, I transitioned jobs, uh, which can be very stressful, but... I think the opportunity that I ended up with was uh, a lot less stressful, a lot less stressful than the one I was in. So, so, so for professionally, you know, I'm where I need to be and uh, up and at them, if you will, or moving forward, uh, you know, and then personally, obviously Aubrey's 10 now and uh, she starts um, 
sixth grade next year and she's uh really become interestingly she's been going to the war room with me every saturday because the owner of the war room mike horner uh, his daughters uh, go there and so she's met a bunch of new friends they're just playing and doing magic or whatever but uh, kids can always use more friends and so that's that's been really fun but you know jeremy all this is great but you, you know who we need to thank who is that? We need to thank GW. We do? Yeah, we need to thank GW. Because did you see that little thing that came across uh, the news waves? Uh, was it last week? The hot off the press, GW got him the DeLorean yeah. and went back in time three years. That's a gift to Kings of War. And, you know, I, I think it's, we need to spend a few minutes just soaking in that because it's an opportunity that gw gave us and and i think we're gonna grow from it you know i'm a little tongue-in-cheek there but if you didn't see it they basically said hey in the future we're gonna make something with square bases and it might be based on the the old world and we might call it warhammer classic but it's three years out (laughs) so what was your initial reaction jeremy when you uh when you read that well to me a couple things right off the bat it made me excited because often people had said ranks and flanks is old that's what the neckbeards play. Who, who wants that's 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 antiquated? Who wants to paint that many models? And for me, that always upset me because that's my favorite style of a game, right? That's what I grew up in. You know, I played skirmish games too, but for for me, my inner fantasy nerd was always about giant blocks of soldiers, epic uh, combat. So you know, GW is not a stupid company. So they don't like just do things just to do it. So in that announcement, that showed that one, ranks and flanks and square base and that style of a game is still popular and is still played. And then that immediately goes to, well, what's the biggest game in the world that you can play that that's, that's that style of game? And that's Kings of War, which is my game. So that, in a way, is like showing that uh, not only is Kings of War grown and that that g- game is still a viable type of game, but it's really saying that that it is something that Mantic and Kings of War is like here to stay. And then also it's like competition is great. You know, we got to the moon, the space race. Like think of all the times that what we can achieve when there's competition. So in many ways, it's like you throw the gauntlet down and say, hey, we're going to do something in this amount of time. Mantic now has a little bit of, okay, let's let's show them. Let's show the world what we can do in this game system uh, that's already so vibrant. And think about what was Kings of War two and a half years ago compared to what it is now. Imagine what it's going to be two and a half years. Three years, yeah. It's going to be amazing. I mean, I wonder, like, with with the announcement, how much of it, you know, obviously what you said is true. I think it does showcase that GW does consider ranks and blanks, uh, square-based gaming. Um, There's a market there, right? At least there's there's something there. So that's great. Uh, But I also wonder how much of it was a speculative announcement where they're really just trying to see the response that it gathers and see, did they get the critical mass that they were hoping for to kind of justify putting in the, uh, whatever time they're going to put in efforts they are going to put into this, this new thing they call Warhammer classic. Part of me wonders the timing is a little interesting. Part of me wonders, you know, how much of that announcement was really just to be kind of a fly in the ointment, you know, for games like Kings of war. I thought about that too. And I just don't know. Right. Because one games workshop is so huge you know massive R- ronnie's talked about it the entire like uh gross profit from mantic was the same as warhammer world and that's one gw store so to think that on one level the games workshop even cares about these like little flies you know what i mean but on the other hand you know they're not stupid either and i think that if you look at a, a, a segment of the industry that all of that you used to have complete 100 percent market share of a la rank and flank square base gaming that you now have 0% of the market share. Maybe as a company you go, okay, well we're going to look at it. And also too, another thing is I don't, I think they realize how much people love the old world outside of just rank and flank gaming. I mean, look at total war, Warhammer, total war are the Warhammer RPG. So I think some of this might be coming just from a realization that people just love that setting, that they love the old world. So maybe that's a component in what's going on. They are to actually materialize this into a game down the road, you know, if it's called Warhammer Classic, whatever. You know, that's good, right? Because on a basic level, 
more competition is good for the consumer because that means, you know, quality typically goes up and prices go down, right? So I also took an opportunity to think about and jot down some notes on the the effect this future game could possibly have on Warhammer refugees. That's the term we've applied to the people that were playing Warhammer 8th edition when the, you know, the proverbial piano was dropped on them. Um, and, and really, the way I look at it, it's broken down uh, based on where they ended up. Um, and there's really four. There's, there's some folks that are just playing... Um, in their basement, still playing 8th edition. Some folks went to AOS, some went to the Ninth Age, and obviously some went to Kings of War. And I thought it would be fun to just chat for a quick moment the differences of each of those game systems and how I think they would possibly be affected by a future game system that's on square basis from GW. So uh, first, obviously, is AOS. AOS, from a gaming standpoint, is a skirmish mass combat game. Um, it's also what I dub the gotcha game. And uh, gotcha game is really also sometimes known as like a list-building game, Jeremy, but it's, it's a game that's designed you know, with either deliberate or organic internal imbalance where you're really trying to exploit, you know, this critical mass of rule interactions that you can sort of trick your opponent. And and I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like, if you like those kind of games, cool. But I know, like, War Machine's another one that has that kind of, that, that gotcha game mechanic. And then, obviously, from a modeling perspective, you know, AOS is and will always be very GW centric. Um, in fact, it's probably the most GW centric of, of any of these games that I'm going to mention because, you know, they've created a bunch of IP protected races and the scale is bigger and there just simply isn't as much uh, or as many equivalent models out there. Um, and then we should mention, you know, obviously from a modeling perspective, you are individually basing these on circles, right? Uh, and then finally, you've got the background. And then AOS, the third thing I'd mention is, you know, the background is obviously specifically written for AOS. So when you look at AOS, I don't see a lot of overlap with this future product from GW, other than it's probably going to be a gotcha game. Because, I mean, if you think about it, it will probably be based on the old world, which is sort of in the background for AOS, right? It's it's kind of the basis. The world that was. The old world, and that's how AOS was created, basically. Um, but it, And obviously, I would fully expect uh, this new game to, to be at least based in part on the old Warhammer Fantasy Battle mechanics, right, of some sort, you know? And so, and I don't, I, I don't think there's any main rule set from, from GW that's not a gotcha game or a list-building game. So those two things... Um, plus the fact that it is GW centric m- might attract some AOS people to this this other other game system. What do you think about that in terms of AOS and the effect that this future game could have on it? And again, I want to preface what you said, Rob, by saying Gotcha is not a, 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 an inherently intrinsically negative thing. I'm not at all. I love a lot of GW stuff, and I'm not. I don't hate GW on just the basis of hating GW, or like GW on the basis of liking GW. I love a lot of their models. I love a lot of their games. Uh, some models I don't like, you know. So I, I think that type of game is not inherently bad. But like you said, Age of Sigmar is just like a really, as far as it's, it's a lot of overlapping auras and synergies and sort of how you maneuver and quote unquote like gamey sort of ways and again i don't say gamey is overly bad but it's just like a certain style of game and i think what what you have with age of sigmar uh rob is you have a lot of players who came from warhammer fantasy but there's a lot of people who are play age of sigmar and that's their first game like they came from 40k or they came from other skirmish players and they never played warhammer back in the day so i could see those players experimenting with the new game or maybe they just don't even want to because they never played that uh, square based game to begin with so and you know the narrative i know is so different and the models are so different i think what we're going to see as far as those from a A aos coming over is really going to be dependent on what we see and i think it's kind of like what i'm sort of hearing or sort of the main conspiracy theories rob is that is that the new version of fantasy will be a couple different things it will be akin to like what 30k is to 40k which is a boutique expensive maybe forge world uh sort of historical fantasy gaming where maybe it's a it's deeply narrative or it's a little bit more high-end quote-unquote you know i think that's one style of game that that still uses round bases maybe the square base was sort of them just kind of tongue-in-cheek or maybe we'll see like what lord of the rings does for or sorry what 
maybe we'll see like what GW does for Lord of the Rings, where you have square uh, movement trays with round circles for putting in round base models, a la kind of like uh, Ice and Fire, the uh, Game of Thrones miniature game as well. Maybe we'll see that. Our one theory too, Rob, that that I know you would kind of be excited for. A lot of people are thinking maybe they bring back the old world, old world as a 15 millimeter, well, like a war master type thing, like a war master. That's one art, one article they had on a uh, uh, bell of lost souls that I read sometimes in, in secret. Yeah. You keep that to yourself. I keep that to myself, but, uh, but, that that article had some interesting ideas. So I think that the crossover from AOS, I think is going to be out of the sort of the three as we talk about it and we'll kind of lead next into the ninth age. I think AOS moving to the old world game, I think is out of the three is going to be most sort of dependent on what style of the game actually gets released. But I think AOS is enough of its own animal that I don't think you're going to de facto or expect the AOS players would just drop that game to play something else. Unless they were really only playing it because they want the gotcha style game that everybody's playing. And then, you know, if they secretly really love ranks and flanks and the old world um, and GW was able to provide that same experience of the gotcha game in this other framework, then, then maybe. But, you know, I think you're right. I think AOS is going to is going to continue to thrive. And I think this is probably just going to be like a parallel game that you know, kind of a la, you mentioned it, the Horus Heresy, right? It's kind of like you, got, you just got to play 40K and they play the Horus Heresy. Kind of the same thing. But let's jump in and talk about the Ninth Age because that's another destination that Warhammer Refugees ended up. And again, we'll talk about the gaming, modeling, and background just like we did with AOS. And the gaming, you know, it, it's a ranks and flanks mass combat system, right? Um, it's, you know, it's a gotcha game. It was pretty much a, you know, a replacement for Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Right, so it's got that same kind of mechanics of hey, I this this wonky interaction between your army list and my army list. There's this, there's an opportunity for exploitation, and like I said, I'll say it again. I'm not saying that's bad. It's different. I, some people like vanilla. Some people like chocolate. Both are fine. And in terms of modeling, you know, it is pretty GW centric from the standpoint that it was a direct kind of replacement for Warhammer Fantasy Battles. So obviously, I don't remember, 8th edition, we had, what, 16 armies maybe, I think? I, I'm, I'm, it's been a while. So, But, you know, I think there there are direct replacements for all those armies, and therefore, um, obviously, GW would be the point of call for most of those armies. However, if they're playing an elf army, there's lots of ways to get elves or a way to get demons. And again, from a modeling perspective, you are individually basing them. However, they're on squares, unlike rounds with AOS. Um, and then finally, I mentioned the background. This is where I think this is probably the one thing that makes me think this one, I think this area is ripe for converting to this new this new game system. The background, essentially, it is generic high fantasy, but it's sort of their own take on the old world, right? That, that the, the whole point of this game is you killed Warhammer, fantasy battles let's make our own version and th what's interesting about this is going to be i think in ninth age you have sort of a couple different archetypes of players i think you have a lot of the community leaders in ninth age the old etc guys you know ninth age is very popular in europe uh so a lot of the sort of community people in ninth age who have developed the army books and developed rule books and whatever have put in a lot of effort and energy and i know especially whether you want to call it a conspiracy theory or not. The fact that, you know, Adepticon stopped holding Ninth Age events, which depending on which, what Ninth Age players you talk to, they'll say it's like a GW conspiracy to kill their game. That I could see the people who play Ninth Age because they just love Squarebase and they love the old world so much they just can't give it up. I could see them moving to that game, but I wonder about the people who the ninth age people who just still carry that sort of ill will towards G the grudge. If th that grudge is just too much. Well, there's so much overlap between the ninth age and in my mind, what I, what I'm, what I'm kind of expecting for this new product, right? You know I mean? It'll be ranks and flanks. My guess, it will be a gotcha game because what else is GW going to give you? That's the only thing they ever give you. It'll be GW centric modeling and uh, it, it'll give you the old world right now. A lot of overlap, but as you said, if you've got folks that are harboring still that that resentment of, you know, you, you trashed my game and they killed it in 2015. So if this thing comes out in 2023, you're now eight years removed. And time maybe will will heal some wounds, but 
I personally think this is probably the one one destination for Warhammer refugees that's ripe for for some conversion. But I guess the, we'll just have to wait and see. What do you think, Jeremy? You know, one thing I I could see happening with the Ninth Age, and again, uh, this is just our speculation and and i'll preface it by i follow that community a little bit but i'm not involved with it so i apologize what i say offends anyone but i could imagine a lot of the more casual to medium sort of people who play ninth age just because they love the old world but maybe don't don't uh weren't as active in the ninth age uh creation them going to the new game but then i could also see this being a good opportunity for kings of war in that uh, maybe the people who just can't give up that grudge, but because, like you said, Ninth Age does lose people to the new GW game. Maybe some of those people go to Kings of War, who, who, if you know, as Ninth Age just contracts because of this uh, revitalization of the old world, the people who just can't give up that grudge. What else are they going to play? I mean, really. Yeah, if Ninth Age was to to kind of lose that critical mass, the critical mass exactly. So that it, yeah, so like it, yeah, I see what you're saying. If they lose enough people to this new game system, and what's left isn't enough to really keep the Ninth Age floating, do they? You know, and these are probably the people, as you mentioned, have the grudge or are still angry with GW. Then they're going to be looking to other game systems. And I still think we've talked about this for. Before I still think a game system with no company driving driving it is difficult. Can only exist for so long. Until it, it it sort of goes the way of the dodo, I guess. Thinking about your theory a little bit more, though, I, I actually, the folks that, that, that are still holding a grudge and, and would rebuff this new game system, I don't think, even if they lost critical mass, I don't think they'd play, play Kings of War. Because uh, we're going to talk about Kings of War. It is so different than the Ninth Age, and also different than Warhammer Fantasy Battles. I don't think they would enjoy not i don't think because i'm sure they've tried it and i'm and i and i'm gonna i'm my guess is my speculation is that they won't play kings of war so let's talk about kings of war um so again we'll talk about gaming modeling and background it's from gaming it's it's ranks and flanks mass combat and here's the first big distinction the other two games we just talked about we said they're gotcha games well kings of war is a game of intention or i like to say an intention game in the the previous two models you build a list to try to exploit you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna say a loophole, but just you know, you're you're building a trick into the army. There are very few tricks in Kings of War, and the way the community has developed, it's a game of intention. And what, what I mean by that is, when we play the game, as you can probably allude to, or you can expand on Jeremy, when I go to do something, I am explaining my intention. My intention is for my guy, this unit, to be outside of eighteen and a half inches. There's a there's an agreement between the two players that we are in agreement that 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 is what we're saying, um, and because you have that interaction and that discussion, it changes the whole dynamic of the game. And and, and going back to the ninth age, that that piece of it kind of makes me think this game's probably not for the really hardcore ninth agers. But I could be wrong. Do you want to chime in a little bit about that? And because I mean, to me, that's the biggest difference, right? And I think intention can be a part of those other games and, and intention can be a part of miniature wargaming, but usually Kings of War, and we talk about it, that it is there is list building, but the majority of the depth of the game comes in how you play. And how you play is something that you actually have an interaction with the other person whereas some of these other games it's more about list building and list design which is like you said rob why some players may not switch to kings of war because they love that aspect of it and it can be fun a list building is super fun i like that in kings of war so i don't poo poo on anyone but when kings of war there you may see maneuvers you've never seen before but very rarely if you play kings of war on any sort of deep level you're not going to play a game and see rules interactions that you've never seen up until that point and we had a discussion on the countercharge page because I'm really interested in developing a definition for our gotcha game. And somebody brought up, well, what about Surge and these things? The best example I can give between the two systems is back in Warhammer, there were 16 armies. I was not going to buy 16 army books. I wasn't. Army books at, what, 40, 50 bucks a pop for me to learn their rules. And so I would typically go into a, a, a game and I almost every tournament I'd play something that I hadn't seen before. Kings of War, flip side, all the rules are in the book. There's all your rules. I don't, I don't see like a lot of opportunities to be really caught out because essentially you have easy access. If you buy the two rule books, you have the access to all the rules they have. And to be like at a really high competitive level, and 
in these games, uh, more so, I think, you know, I'm going to start that over. You know, I like to call 40K and some of the, and some of the GW games are their lifestyle games, right, Rob? Where in many ways you have to build your gaming lifestyle around that game to play competitive. A la, okay, I'm gonna play the Space Marine chapter. I got the Space Marine Codex. I got the chapter approved. I got the Battle of Shemalakin campaign book, which has two extra units in it. And then I I gotta get this. And like you say, where is unless you follow and own all the books and are really up to date uh, with the game system, it's easy to just not know what stuff does. And a lot of people love that deepness and richness. And I think Kings of War can be a lifestyle game too, but in a different way than other the 40K games. And often uh, that's just the GW way. They, they release so much content, which is good. But if you don't keep up to it, you'll be playing your opponent and you just don't have, have any idea what their stuff does. And they have like six books for their army. Maybe when we're saying this difference between intention and gotcha, really that's from the perspective of the casual player, because obviously the hardcore player in either scenario, they're probably not going to fall for the gotcha stuff, right? Cause they're up on, they got all the army books. They listen to can hammer. They listen to, you know, independent characters. They know what's up. Yeah. Um, but let's keep rolling. So modeling Kings of war um, again, vastly different. It is figure agnostic. Um, yes, Mantic does make models. They have 26 armies now, <laughs> plus 30 historical armies. Uh, there's a whole lot of armies that have either missing units or whole armies that just, there's no units for Mantic. So, you know, the, the figure agnostic piece is um, is interesting because obviously they there's a lot of people that use GW models, but the farther we get in, the less GW models I'm seeing. And here, Rob, this is the big cookie, right? which is multi-basing. Yes, totally different. It, you know, AOS, you got individual rounds, you know, uh, the ninth age, individual squares. You don't have to have individual anything. I just have a base for the unit. It is a very significant difference between the other two games that we've that we've mentioned and most likely whatever game they come down with, you know, in three years, potentially. Um, and then let's just touch on background. I, I would argue that Kings of War started with kind of a generic high fantasy but as we've gone along and as the, the, the fantasy has become less generic and has become less of a corollary to the old world, they've written their own way through, right? And, and I think the best example is this third edition where there's a lot of armies where I'm air quoting that, were, that could be considered old Warhammer armies. They don't look like old Warhammer armies anymore. Well, that's the thing, Rob. I mean, let's be frank. In many ways, in its early days, Mantic was selling you cheap models for your Warhammer armies. Oh, and then if you wanted to, here's a game too. But I mean, that's really what it was. And but the more the, the fluff that they've developed, the more they've gotten to developing their no longer substitutes for because one, there's that game doesn't exist anymore. And then two, as they've developed their own lore, you know, their dwarves, their elves, their whatever begin to take on their own stories, their own flavor, their own aesthetic. So it's no longer uh, uh, a correlation or just a parallel anymore. So when you look at the total package of Kings of War and you compare it to this potential future Warhammer classic, there's not a lot of overlap. You know, I've seen the posts from occasionally, oh, this is the sky is falling. We're going to no. we will not lose a lot of players, especially if they've already based their whole army, you know, around a multi-base. Um, I think the fact that the game system itself is so different, the, the way it's an intentions based game and less dependent on list building. And from a modeling perspective, the, the fact that it is figure, figure agnostic to the point where the company even acknowledges it, right? GW is never going to tell you that it's okay to play their games with someone else's models. Never, 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 never. Mantic will say, well, we don't make all the models, so I guess those units, <laughs> you'll have to use somebody else's stuff, right? Yeah, and I think as a Kings of War player primarily, but someone who does dabble in other games, what will I do? I could see myself playing something if they do do like a different scale, where it's just a different type of square-based game just set in the old world that scratches a different itch than kings of war does mm -hmm. i could totally see myself getting excited like uh we've we talked about playing 15 millimeter kings of war you know i'm just gonna ride that hope of like maybe they release fantasy epic because that to me could be a completely different game system that would slot right in you know into my repertoire 
Um, other than that, you know, I mean, all my stuff's multi-based. So again, maybe if it's like 30k, a la, you can do a lot of historical reenactments of old world games, and maybe it's more narrative based or something like that. And and I think that would be GW doesn't want. I don't think they would want to poach from their the success of Age of Sigmar. Right. Right. So I'm thinking that whatever game does come out, it's not going to be. I doubt it's going to be like a competitive style uh, game akin to. Age of Sigmar or 40k, I think it is going to be its own animal of whatever that animal is when it comes out. It will be different. So I don't think it's it's just so hard to tell at this point. And and then by that that, that time too, Rob, we have three more years of U.S. Masters, of Lone Wolf, of Adepticon, of International Campaign Day, of uh, Mantic Open Night craziness. You know, so... I just don't see a mass exodus. All you know, maybe if you just haven't played any fantasy games for all these years, maybe you'll tip your toes back into the the fantasy wargaming pool at that point, which when you do, you're also going to be seeing what's going on in Kings of War. So maybe some people who haven't gamed in a long time who come back end up checking out Kings of War too. So I think the overall sort of narrative or theme or a uh, uh, thread I'm getting through this is that I think it's an o- it's an overall positive thing to fantasy wargaming. To sum this up, why am I thankful that they made this release? Well, you just touched on it. This gives us another opportunity to show off Kings of War and how different it is than the other games out there. And notice I didn't say better because it's different, right? It's figure agnostic. It's got unit basing. It's an intention game. Very different. It's its own unique animal. And then it's really fun to consider the effect that this potential game system could have on Mantic. We got three years. Well, in that time, they've got to continue to improve their sculpting. They've got to keep issuing models uh, for units and characters that, that they don't they, they don't have. Theoretically, they have this clock ticking over their head, right? Because they don't currently make Twilight Kin models, right? Well, if they don't get it done in three years, theoretically, GW could re-release the Dark Elves, right? So, and and don't and don't kid yourself, GW would be all too happy to turn the table and start becoming the the alternative miniature supplier for Kings of War, right? Because you know, GW always builds itself as a model company first. You know, Rob, that some of it that's like the old GW trademark, right? Whereas new GW trademark is kind of tried to escape a little bit of that, uh, you know, and wanting to to produce games, but. I think you're right. I mean, I'm excited. Uh, I just love, it just comes down to me. And we talk about this, Rob, when you talk about we need players of all types to make tournaments successful. For a thing like our hobby to exist, people have to be into it. People have to spend money and people have to play. So to me, just knowing that people are into fantasy wargaming, that's great because I hope to be doing this hobby and playing these games until I'm like an old man. You know what I mean? So the fact that it's still just popular, that in today's technical age, people are still really into collecting toy soldiers and painting them. I just think that's awesome. So that's that's my takeaway. And it will it will encourage Ronnie to uh, maybe put together official Kings of War 15 millimeter rolls for me. (laughs) So do it, Ronnie. I want to see. Please. Oh, Santa Claus, Ronnie, bring to me on Christmas morning. Kings of War. Epic. 50 millimeter. So coming up next, we're going to have some giving of thanks from the Countercharge audience. This is Countercharge Canadian co-host Alex Coos, and I wanted to express my thanks and gratitude for the great community that has grown around this fantastic game we all enjoy. Kings of War has really opened up a whole world of friends and opportunity for me, allowing me to meet great people that I never would have had the chance to otherwise. As the newest Countercharge member, I'm very thankful to be part of such an enthusiastic and talented group. I am looking forward to providing a perspective from Canada and the Northeast, as well as having the opportunity to interact with more of the Kings of War community at large. This is a tremendous opportunity that I'm very grateful for. On the hobby side of things, I am very thankful for the opportunity to use whatever miniatures I want, to execute whatever theme I want to explore in the game. Whether it's rats with halberds, rats with spears, rats with poison gas, rats with whips chasing other rats, rats with guns, rats carrying giant rats around in carts, or just swarms of rats, 
the options really are endless, and I'm very grateful for such an open system based around such a solid rule set. These days, it's easy for people to talk about the evils of social media, but for me, social media is an awesome way to interact with our community members, no matter how far afield they may be. I'm thankful for all the online groups, all of the group chats, well, most of them, and Universal Battle. With these, there's always someone to share a list idea or army paintings concept with, or answer a rules question or get a game in, or just simply to share photos of minis with. For me, Kings of War started out as just a game to play between two friends in a basement, but my love for the game has spurred me to become a part of a local group and grow the gaming scene in our little corner of Ontario. Without Kings of War, I wouldn't have had the chance to meet and hang out with such a great crew on a weekly basis. Not only that, traveling to tournaments around the Northeast region has allowed me to meet a wide array of characters who are all great company and a pleasure to stand across the table from. Specifically, I'm thankful that this year there will be a Best of the Rest tournament at the Masters, creating a continent-wide event for everyone. I think this is going to be a great time, and I can't wait to meet more people and play more games with more people from our community. With the growing tournament scene, we really are spoiled for choice for events, and I'm looking forward to meeting even more of the community in the coming year. So happy Thanksgiving from Canada, and until next time, keep countercharging. Greetings, countercharged chums. We're recording a Thanksgiving message. How exciting. I must confess, this is the most confusing of American holidays to me, because you know, being of the shambling United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, it's apparently a bit like Christmas, but... You do all the things that people normally do at Christmas, but it, it's not Christmas. Instead, you're just thankful. For, th hang on. I'm just going to quickly Google what it's actually about. Huh. Ah, I see. Ah, I see. It's a completely normal holiday with absolutely no controversy whatsoever. Great. I shall wholeheartedly take part. So we're, we're to say kind of what we're thankful about. I'm thankful for this damn game. My wife says she's just glad it gives me something to do. So I stop doing weird things to our house. And it, <laughs> it's fair to say that being part of the Kings of War community has given me friends across the world, a creative output in a way, uh, and a way to, you know, waste my children's inheritance in a frankly profligate manner on tiny pieces of plastic resin and metal. Hooray! I'm thankful to be invested in a game where, you know, the company, for whatever reason, puts its heart and soul into not being a dick, and long may that continue. Thank you to Countercharge. Without getting too sappy, because after all, I am British and we don't do emotions because it's not decent, um, I'm really thankful to have found these weird, amazing guys from across the other side of the world. Mark, Rob, Jeremy and Alex are sweet, funny, slightly odd people and I love them for it. So keep countercharging, you nerdy obsessives. Hello, Countercharge fans. This is Billy Capcom Smith and I just wanted to call in and say what I was thankful for with the community and the rule set overall. So I'm really thankful uh, about the rule set because, frankly, it's just very smooth and clean. And as a working person who's about to be a father, I don't really have time for all the tiny interactions and gotcha game moments. And frankly, the rules get out of the way and let you play the game, which I think is an excellent quality to have in a game like the one we're playing. It allows us to focus more on hobbying and making things that are cool and just playing the game and having a good time. And also, I'd like to talk about how I'm thankful for the community. I've said this, I don't know, a dozen times across a dozen different medias, but Kings of War community is, hands down, I think, one of the best miniatures communities that exists. Everyone is just, almost without exception, super supportive and just really wonderful people to be around. Um, they're very open to bringing new people in. They're very supportive to helping you out on a personal human level if you need that. And uh, they also like to celebrate your successes as well. And I think that no matter who you are or where, where you're at or where you're at in your life, uh, the Kings of War community would be happy to have you and, and bring you in. And I think that is excellent. And I genuinely believe that the Kings of War community is good for my mental health as well as others. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, thanks, guys. Just wanted to get my two cents in. Hey, Countercharge. It's Anthony calling in from Blue City Brawlers. And I just wanted to say that I'm thankful for Rob being such an easy opponent. I'm like 5-0 against the dude, and it's like free win after free win after free win. 
it's not even fun anymore. The dude has like a gajillion armies, and he refuses to bring anything but ogre war chariots. Uh, so hope you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving, except Edwin. Bye. Hi, this is Felix Castro uh, from Dayton, Ohio. Um, just calling in. Things I'm thankful for. I mean, most of all, you know, Counter Charge and the wonderful community we've gotten uh, surrounding this podcast. I mean, the Kings of War community itself is awesome, but a lot of the guys I've met from Counter Charge After Dark uh, and the like, that's that's one thing I'm really thankful for. I mean, you guys have helped push me through, you know, tough moments in life. Uh, you may not know it, but you guys have. So I appreciate and thankful for that. Another thing I'm thankful for is, you know, Mantic dropping third edition. I have not been this excited about playing a new edition uh, of a game in a long time. So pretty thankful about that. So yeah, just two quick things I'm thankful for. I uh, hope you all have a good Thanksgiving. Take it easy. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, this is Hari up in Minnesota. I'm just wanting to say, first of all, I love giving thanks, so I can't say no to this. Um, but I would guess I first of all want to thank the people who got me into Kings of War. Clarence Lee, who doesn't even play this game and won't be hearing this. Also, uh, Neil Colley and John Becker up here in Minnesota. And Jeff, I can't remember how to say your last name. I'm so sorry, Jeff, but you beat everybody with your bacillions. <laughs> um, aside from that, uh, thank you to Mantic and the whole community and everything like Countercharge and other uh, podcasts and YouTube shows and whatnot for making this a great community to play a great game in. Uh, it's wonderful. Thank you very much. Have a good holidays. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Devlin. I'm thankful for a couple things. First thing is that Rob's found people besides me to interview on a constant basis, so shout out to the community for that. And on that note, I think I'm most thankful for this Kings of War community. Um, I traveled to probably like 13 or so events in the past year and I mean it's always kind of the highlight of my month is going out and hanging out with the guys and gals and just playing a couple day games drinking a lot of beer and just kind of enjoying myself so keep on keeping on Kings of War community A count of the charge this is Jesse world renowned maker of boots I gotta say what I'm thankful for is many things first and foremost the community man you guys are awesome this goes out to everybody listening to this you guys make this game fun. It's because of the community that my little brother, who never really cared about mini wargaming at all, has gotten into the game. It's because of this community I keep coming back to. It's because of this community that I'm never stressed out at tournaments, unlike, you know, War Machine or 40K. Because I'm just there to have fun and chill with friends, and oh yeah, we get to push models across the table. I'm thankful for you, Countercharge, and other content makers. You know, everybody who makes a battle report, everybody who makes a podcast, you know, you guys drive up interest in the game and that's awesome. And lastly, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for, for Mantic, man. You guys make a good game, you know, and you know, special shout out to Matt Gilbert. The fluff is getting better, bro. I'm loving it. I, I, I care about the races and Kings of War. So long story short, man, I'm just thankful for this community and the game and, um, yeah, keep on rocking y'all. Hey, yo, it's uh, friggin' Chris Coxie. I know I haven't been on the podcast in a really long time, but I just wanted to talk about, uh, you know, what I'm uh, what I'm thankful for. So, first of all, I'm really thankful that 3rd Edition Kings of War friggin' invalidated my entire army. Did you know that uh, Elohi and Draken Riders don't unlock anymore? So now, the Four Locos list, totally bullshit. Can't be used anymore. Friggin' ridiculous. And, of course, they did this right after. Jeff Swan won the Alamo with my list. Just happens. Uh, I'm also thankful that uh, I'm going to have to buy a brand new army. Just after I came up with the excellent, amazing idea to exploit the Michael's rule of 40% off coupons. Now I'm going to have to find something else to do. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to build an army that doesn't uh, have everything flying and freaking dragons all over the place. Um, so that's going to take me some time to unlock. You better believe it that I'm going to be in the list laboratory trying to figure this out. All right. Chris Cox. It's like that. 
Well, Rob, I think that's like a really cool episode for us to sort of get together, catch up with each other, talk about uh, what we're thankful for on our birthday. But also, I think you mentioned it when you talked a little bit about adding Steve and uh, Alex to the show, is that we really want to make Countercharge accessible for our audience. So to hear sort of from our audience what they thought, that's really a pivotal part of the show. Uh, a lot of our great show ideas and topics have come from audience questions. So uh, I think that's really a core value of countercharge is to kind of try to keep the audience uh, as uh, sort of like they, what do they call it? The sixth man in basketball. The audience is like the sixth host of countercharge, you know, <laughs> and that's, you know, why we try to do different episodes, different types of stuff so that no matter what you're into, you may not like every episode of countercharge, which is okay, but uh, there are going to be episodes that sort of speak to you. So as a host, I just want to say thanks again for all the people who listen to the show. Yeah. Any uh, final thoughts, Rob? So just thanks to everybody that contributed and uh, we'll do a prize drawing in the very new future for everybody that uh, made an audio submission. So with that, until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you.